Hi, Dominique. Welcome to the No Such Thing as TMI podcast. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. I am obsessed with your TikTok. I love how you talk all things menstrual health. And on top of that, you have two diagnoses that are pretty significant, right? You have endometriosis and PMDD, and you're very, very open about that. So I'm really excited for you to share your story today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I know you're very open about endometriosis and you were telling me before we started recording this conversation that you have been dealing with this for about seven years now. So tell me a little bit about how, you know, what kind of symptoms you started experiencing and how you kind of went down to the diagnosis of endometriosis and then healing yourself, whether it's via Western medicine, Eastern medicine, whatever you want to tell, go for it. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's important to mention that I actually come from probably like four or five generations of women with conditions related to their menstrual cycle. So um, PCOS, endometriosis, um, fibroids um, is abundant throughout my family. Um, I'm African-American and a lot of those conditions are more common amongst African-American women and also more difficult to diagnose. And so when I first started experiencing really severe pain, it was met with a lot of, this is just how it is. Um, this is just how it is. You know, I went through this, your grandmother, you know, your cousin, it just kind of was very, very normalized. And um, so I find that part of the experience quite significant because once I started getting into the Western system, I also experienced that kind of met with that if normal, take birth control, but I also experienced that amongst my family because I come from such a long line of being genetically predisposed for these conditions. Yeah. And so the beginning days were really quite hard. I find them quite isolating and I just didn't understand um, why it was happening. You know, like I didn't know where it had really came from. And um, so yeah, the first few years or so were really, really tough. Um, and it wasn't until I started doing research into what these conditions actually were where they stemmed from and found so much information on both the medical as well as the holistic things that you can lean on to kind of support you that I started on my healing journey that led me to where I am today, where I, I can really proudly say that I'm basically like, I guess, asymptomatic. Wow. Like I don't have um, um, any, any symptoms related to each of them. That's so it's crazy. Really, I know. <laughs> That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Not many people can say that, but you put in the work. Like I watch your videos, girl, like you put in the work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been like, I, I said this once on my TikTok that I think that healing my relationship with my period was healing my relationship with myself. Mm -hmm. So once I learned how to care for my menstrual cycle, I learned how to care for myself. They weren't disconnected. And it's probably been the most rewarding experience like healing journey of my life yeah to the point where I can say that um I live so comfortably in my body mm -hmm. and in my being and I don't know if I would have got here if it wasn't for those conditions so in a lot of ways I feel very grateful for them right so. and why <laughs> why do you think that tapping into your menstrual cycle was so powerful to you do you think it's because you were tapping more into your intuition or your divine feminine what do you think the connection there is yeah, I think it was tapping into my intuition, tapping into my divine feminine, but also just from a biological perspective, like we're not taught how intricately connected your menstrual cycle is to your health. 
Yeah. You know, they, they go together as women, like your health is your, your menstrual cycle. And if you're having any sort of conditions there, it's rare that I think your menstrual cycle isn't affected in some way by whatever it is that you're experiencing, whether that be like mental health or another type of physical health condition. So um, I think for me, it was just learning how to be in this body, how to travel this life. And um, they just went together so closely. Yeah. So how did tapping more into your menstrual cycle help with your relationship with your diagnosis? So I think that um, when I was diagnosed, so I was diagnosed with endometriosis um, when I was 21, I believe, and then I was diagnosed with PMDD when I was 23 or 24. And both of those conditions are when you are diagnosed with them is very much a, this is just it. There's right. no cure for either. And there's no direct treatment plan. There's no one pill that you can take or one way you can go about it. And it just kind of was met with, this is something you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life. And I didn't want that to be my reality. I didn't want that to be my truth. And so I felt like I really showed up to the conversation around both of those and tried to find ways to create a lifestyle that would allow me to live in harmony with these conditions. And changed everything <laughs> changed literally every part of my life like I used to joke that my period had me in a chokehold and it still kind of does but like in a good way where <laughs> where it just frames how I work and how I see right. friends and how I have sex and how my relationship with my body and just I tried to flip it on its head and take it from something that I was never going to be able to overcome to something that was just going to change how I lived my life yeah and you did have you had surgery you had excision surgery I did I did have excision surgery and that, you can hear, but there is like a huge thunderstorm. So if you hear like huge, <laughs> that's thunder. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> okay. Sorry. You were saying, so you had excision surgery, right? Uh, I did have excision surgery and, um, I was extremely fortunate in the sense that I had the excision surgery by the best, um, surgeon in country. So I'm Canadian. So I had the best surgeon in the country, the head of research in the country did my surgery and it was an amazing surgery however um it is still common with this excision, excision surgery for people to have to go back multiple times mm -hmm. and that was something that I was told was quite normal that I would have to have multiple surgeries but since having my one surgery um I have not had any regrowths or have had any symptoms and so oh, well, I, I think it was a combination yeah so I went to the endometriosis summit in March and there were a lot of the top surgeons in the US there. And they were saying, which this is kind of like, a, I don't think this is controversial, but I think that people may be triggered by this statement. So I'm just going to give a little warning that it's not that endometriosis regrows. It's that it wasn't taken out completely in the first place. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that's yeah. what they were saying. They were like, if, if the surgeon is able to identify abnormal patterns of endometriosis and they are able to remove everything and excise everything, there should be no regrowth. And if there is regrowth, it's because something was not properly excised or not spotted. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. I knew that with the distinction between ablation and excision. So if they're using the ablation technique, it's not actually being removed. But I thought with excision, there was also a potential for it to regrow because of, you know, heretics, like how it grew in the first place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, it was like 90% was excised and then the remaining 10 was used for ablation. 
And it was that, is that because they, they just wanted to proceed with caution. They didn't want to excise the area that it was on. Yeah. Cause for me, the majority of it was actually on my digestive system. Mm-hmm. So more so than on my um, uterus, I also had some on my kidneys, which I think classifies me as stage four in Canada. And so there were some areas there was, I also had a general surgeon in my surgery. So it was uh, my gynecological surgeon and my general surgeon because it was so intense. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was intense. It was, it was scary and it was long. It was a long surgery. Um, and I was in a lot of pain for a really long time post-surgery, really? which I think is something that not a lot of people talk about is that it actually got significantly worse. Really? Before it got better. Yeah. For like four months, I had the worst periods of my life. Wow. Post-surgery. And it was only really supposed to be like one month. They were quite concerned as to why I was still in pain on month four. And um, you, what, what kind of pain were you in? Did you feel it like just all pelvic area or where was it? Pelvic back. And then obviously like with my digestion was really tough because my organs were so, I guess, like recovering. Yeah, probably all the scar tissue. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was in a tremendous amount of pain. I had surgery in August and until I remember December, because my birthday's in December, and I remember I couldn't do anything. I couldn't do anything because I was in so much pain still in December. Wow. And then um, that's actually interestingly, because that's when I did my challenge on TikTok, because I'm like, guys, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) So fucked up. And I started my challenge in January. This is the 75 um, divine. Yeah. That's when I, I, I wanted to talk about this. Yes. yes. Yeah. So that's when I did my challenge because I got to my birthday and I was just, how can I still be like struggling like this? Like, how can I still be in so much pain? I've had surgery. I've changed my diet. I've done all this stuff. And I, so I'm like, I'm going to do this challenge where I'm going to do all these different things. And then I went super viral on TikTok. <laughs> And um, and then the, the the next six months was when I really started doing different kinds of stuff. So looking into like herbal medicine more. So my relationship with my body, like really questioning, like how do I talk about my body? How do I do I let myself rest when I need to rest? Because I've been an entrepreneur on and off for all of my twenties, and when you're an entrepreneur, it's hard to find the space to rest. And so that's what that challenge really brought for me was. Um, was real healing so that by the time the summer rolled around I was like good so what did the 75 divine look like what what kind of challenges did you give yourself what kind of tasks did you delegate to yourself yeah so I made it up myself Mm -hmm. it was like um um kind of a playoff 75 soft and 75 hard which are two existing challenges and I just made it into like a period divine feminine edition Um, and so for me, um, my tasks were to eat in sync with my cycle, exercise in sync with my cycle, track my cycle, practice embodiment. Um, so really learning how to get into my body, journaling, meditation, and reading. So you did those, so you did, so you did cycle syncing with like food and exercise, and then you, you made yourself read, meditate, and journal every single day. Yeah, I did. Oh, what a nice challenge. Yeah. And I did that for 75 days and um, I didn't end up posting too much about it because the response that I got was honestly overwhelming where I didn't know how to, I didn't set out to be a content creator, right? Like I just was like, yeah. hey, I'm really sick. And then everyone was like, oh my God, me too. And they're like, how do you do this? And I was like, guys, I don't know. 
but I'm very grateful for that community now. Um, but yeah, I did all those things for 75 days and was completely transformed. Wow. And, and how do you think doing the 75 divine, like before doing 75 divine, did you already have a pretty good relationship with your period or was it 75 divine that really kickstarted that relationship? It was, it was completely that challenge. I had a really, really tough relationship with my period because that's, that was the December in which I had reached month five post or month four post-surgery turned 25 and just couldn't believe that I was still in so much pain. Like I was in so much pain in that December that I remember my friend had to come like pick me up and put me in the bath because I couldn't, like I was writhing in pain. And then by February of doing this challenge, I was kind of chilling. I was doing pretty good. <laughs> and then by the summer, I was really, really doing really well. And so it was, it was really a, almost entirely of this challenge of just fully committing to figure it out. I love that. I think that I don't think enough people, myself included, like don't, I practice cycle syncing, but I just definitely don't slow down enough, you know? Yes. I like yeah. to journal, but I'll journal here and there. I like to meditate, but I'll meditate here and there. So is yeah. it my daily routine? No. Should it be? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I think that that's actually the biggest lesson that I learned through cycle thinking is that I don't do those things every day anymore, but I know what works for me because I committed to it. So I, I, I was able to really figure out what I needed during different times of my cycle because I figured it out. Like, for example, for me, I'm not big on diet. You know, I eat pretty healthy, but if I want to eat something that shouldn't be in my phase, I'm going to eat it. Yeah. But because I am in tune with my body I, and I know what I need and what I don't need, I can have that leeway with myself versus kind of being blind, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And even with herb cycling, like I can intuitively feel which herbs I'm gonna need because I've learned to understand my body where I don't need to follow a really strict this, 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 this. And cycle thinking, although it comes from a strict place, that's what it brought me. It brought me to just like living intuitively. Yeah. Yeah. I love cycle sticking for that reason too. Cause I had, yeah. I had PCOS and I've never mm -hmm. got a period and it's super rare, like literally every three months or every six months, it was very, very irregular. And mm -hmm. I started practicing cycle syncing and it didn't regulate my cycle, but it just helped me become a bit more intuitive with where I was in my cycle, because you don't, you literally learn that you have a period and that's it. Like you don't yeah. even think about really ovulation until you are trying to avoid getting pregnant or trying to get pregnant. So yeah, there's really so much disconnect around our menstrual cycle. And like you said, I think most people just feel like their period has a chokehold on them and they have no control <laughs> around their period. Like, yeah, it's so sad and crazy because I feel the same way that you feel that when I tapped into my intuition so, so many parts of my life got better. Like so many, mm -hmm. I just set so many more boundaries around my life and my peace was so much more protected. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just really just changed my life. Yeah. Just knowing that like this thing that I thought was a burden that I thought was a curse was actually the key to happiness and health and, and joy and empowerment. Because I think once you feel comfortable with this thing, comfortable talking about it, comfortable you know, telling your partners about it, telling your friends about it, telling I my bosses, I'd be telling my bosses that I don't want to do this because I'm on my period. And that's so radical right. in a society that totally has made us hate the most natural thing about us. 
Yeah. And so I think on a, I think a journey to reclaim that is someone something that every woman can go on and is only going to be empowering. Yeah. You should be a health coach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what my um because it's interesting because now I my work entirely revolves around periods. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm also doing a doula training currently because I find birth to be like so beautifully connected to menstruation. And I'm still trying to figure out what all of this means. Cause I always joke that oh, everyone says like, oh, I didn't mean to go viral, but I didn't <laughs> mean to go viral. And now people look to me to talk about these things and I love it, Yeah. but I'm still trying to figure out what it all means. Yeah, no, I mean, that's part of the journey for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just lost power for a second, but it looks like we're good. <laughs> oh, okay. There's like a really bad storm above me right now. Um, okay. So I wanted to talk more about PMDD. Sure. So let's talk a bit about that. So you were diagnosed with that after endo, correct? I was. Yeah. And when you started kind of honing a bit more on PMDD, did you, was that also intertwined with your 75 hard or was that something that like, was that a beast that you tackled after the 75 hard? No, it was the same. It was okay. the same. So my diagnosis, I think, had been the year before. So I, I had, no, I did not have a handle on my PMDD at all. Yeah. My PMDD was, I would argue, worse than my endometriosis. There were periods of my life in which I was on like suicide watch, where I would get calls from the government every month to see if I was still alive because wow. the suicide rates for PMDD are so high, in like the 80, 80, 80 percentile. So like over 80% of people with PMDD will commit, try to commit suicide. And so um, I was at high risk, high, high risk. And I did not know how to handle it. And so that has also been a journey <laughs> um, to the point where like, I'm so in tuned with my symptoms and have so many tools in my toolbox of how to manage it and how to work through it where I noticed it for sure. I think I will always notice it, but it's just part of me, not mm-hmm. this monster of a time that I don't understand. It's quite a beautiful time where I find that because PMDD is also explained, often explained as like two-ness, like you have a version of you and then you have a version of you during your luteal phase that you don't know, you don't fuck with her, she's a monster um, and you just have to kind of suffer with her. But I tried to flip that and say that like, well, she's a part of me and she needs something. Mm-hmm. So I just have to figure out how to talk to her, how to love her, how to approach her and bring her in and see her. And I did. I started to do that and started to give space for her to be who she needed to be. And a lot of times what she needs, isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. She just wants to be heard. Mm-hmm. So once I learned how to do that, I learned how to live with my PMDD. So how, how did you make space for her? So how did you, what are some things in your toolbox that you, that you, you used? So I journal a lot more during my luteal phase. I make a lot more time for self-reflection. And for me, she kind of reminds me of like an inner child, like a kid who just like is mad all the time and just like wants to scream. And so I kind of tapped into the type of things that I liked to do when I was a kid. Mm. And for me, that was like all things creative. So I was an actress and a dancer. And so I make time for those things I make time to color and go to dance classes and just let myself be theatrical and dramatic and I tell my friends and family what I'm going through 
so that they know if I'm a little bit short with them or if I need more support that they'll show up for me. I love that. Okay. Yeah. So important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's been, I send a lot of love to, I send a lot of love to people with endo, but specifically with PMDD, it's also never talked about. It's so rare and people just don't know that they have it. Like I get so many comments on my TikTok being, I think I have this. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> please yeah. go get, go get checked out. So I send a lot of love to people with, with PMDD. Yeah. And is it easy to get diagnosed with PMDD? It is not easy. I self-diagnosed with PMDD. Um, because I was diagnosed initially just with personality disorders and then I tracked my symptoms mm -hmm. and I was, and then I realized that it wasn't because I only had the symptoms of, of personality disorders within seven days. And so then I went back to my doctor and they said, okay, yeah, you have this. Wow. Yeah. Again, tapping into yeah. the cycle and knowing what, when mm -hmm. symptoms arise and when they arise is so, so huge. Yeah, because they they just said, oh, if you have these symptoms, you have you either have bipolar or borderline personality disorder, and I didn't resonate with me, and I didn't take the treatment that they gave me, and then I tracked my cycle for months, and then I realized that it was so concentrated. Wow, that's super crazy and amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so good for you. That's amazing. Um, okay, well, I want to talk about herb cycling too. So you're very you like to talk about that on your page as well, Me and. Too. That's that I know nothing about. So I the only herb I know that you mentioned is raspberry leaf tea. I know that's like a great herb just all around. Are there specific herbs that you love and that you love for specific phases of your cycle? Like when do you lean on certain herbs? Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, I'm pretty sure I've made up herb cycling. Okay. So I don't think that you should trademark, have heard of it. Tra trademark that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I made it up because I don't think I've never seen anyone else talk about it. I don't think I have, I've, um, heard, I've heard of seed cycling, but never herb cycling. Yeah, I think I made it up. <laughs> <Good moment. laughs> so um, red raspberry is kind of like the OG herb that most people have heard of. You can get it at like your grocery store, but I actually worked for a herbal company. So there were so many herbs that I was like, these must work for other things. And I just started trying them and testing them and, and um, just found so many so much stuff that was really worked. And I think my second favorite one would have to be blue vervain, which is quite a common herb, but not necessarily understood specifically for PMS. So blue vervain is really popular just for anxiety and stress. And the first time I took blue vervain, I was literally in a meeting and I fell asleep in the meeting. <laughs> so I take that one before my period and it helps tremendously with my anxiety. Wow just uh, regulates the nervous system and just kind of calms you down and then the other one that I would say that is my favorite is cocoa so um from what I've read the reason you crave chocolate on your period is because you're magnesium deficient and so cocoa is really high in magnesium but we're eating you know like chocolate bars which are full of like plastics and you're not even really getting fresh real cocoa mm -hmm. so I started taking like 100% cocoa or now I have these cocoa sticks where I like will like um boil them into making like a cocoa like a like a big batch of cocoa like cocoa tea and do you and add, oh it's tea yeah it's tea oh it's yeah. not like, a, like it's not like a, a chocolate like stick it is a chocolate stick but then you um if you shave it and you boil it you can make it into like a tea oh <laughs> 
super cool. You can add other stuff to it. Like I'll add, sometimes I'll add red raspberry or I'll add another one of my favorite herbs of St. John's Bush, which is this really powerful herb. That's more of like a cleansing herb. So I think people should proceed with that with caution. But when I first started taking that herb, that's when I really saw big changes in my period of not having pain because it really cleanses out your womb. I think it's more of a spiritual herb. And so that one paired with red raspberry, I'll add both of those to the cocoa, make these big like tea like batches. (laughs) My friend joked the other day, she said, you've never met a problem you can't fix with a herb. (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, (laughs) imagine if you have like a problem and you just tap into your toolbox of herbs and they're- I love it. It's so fun. It's just like going to like your, I heard this expression called your pharmacy, but you spell it like F-A-R-M. Yeah. And, um, I just liked, I, now I swapped out cause I was really heavy into opioids when I was really struggling with my endometriosis and other, um, really strong pain medicine. And now I don't take those at all. Mm-hmm. And I never want to say like, you shouldn't because I needed to at the time I didn't have other resources. And so I needed those prescriptions and, but over time, I feel really happy that I was able to find natural alternatives. And have you put all your family onto all these natural alternatives? I've tried. They're on their own pace, on their own journey. Yeah. Get but my friends, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone yeah. has to approach their low tox, you know, holistic journey at the right time for them. Because- yeah, especially I think Americans. So like my my family is in the US and um, I think that the culture is just so Western medical heavy where people just don't even know how to approach the other side and I think as a society like we'll shift slowly but everyone has to kind of go at their own pace yeah mm-hmm. yeah definitely okay so um last question I want to ask you is what are your favorite books that you like to read and where, what are some books that really helped you tap into your divine feminine and your menstrual cycle because I know so many of my listeners that's a really big goal for them. They, they want to be more comfortable with their menstrual cycle. They don't want their menstrual cycle to have a chokehold on them. And they want to, <laughs> they really just want to tap into their intuition. A yeah. lot. I think it's so powerful. And like you said, extremely empowering as a woman. So what are some, some resources that you've really leaned on or you love that you want to share? So I actually just packed up my whole life. I'm about to just start traveling for a few months and I had to decide which two books am I going to bring with me? Cause I, I didn't want to take more than two. So I have them. So this is the first one, sacred woman by queen of Sacred woman. Okay. Yeah. This is the Bible. It's a guide to healing feminine body, mind, spirit. Queen of is a black, beautiful, amazing practitioner, everything from diet to your relationship to your, your womb blockages, meditations, everything. This is, this is, everything that's 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 your bible that is the bible and then i also have in the flow in the by lisa vita vt that's so this is a classic so i know so i always joke that this is the white bible and this is the black bible (laughs) okay perfect so i'm gonna (laughs) both yeah so i like to combine them because obviously also so she's like a you know like a herbal practitioner like Mm -hmm. you know very ancestral very spiritual and then she's obviously a doctor so it's like the same message is she a doctor i think so I don't think she's a hormone health coach. Oh, yeah, I don't think she's a doctor. Functional nutrition, woman's hormone expert. Yeah. Oops. I thought she was a doctor. But anyways, 
But still, yeah. <laughs> so it's just so funny. So like the back of this one, you see like um, a quote from Gabrielle Union. And then on the back of this one, you see a quote from like Erica Badu. Oh my you know? God. You yeah. get the vibes. <laughs> so yeah, these are my, these are my two favorites. Um, I, apparently I carry these with me everywhere. Yeah. That's Always all reading them. I also carry, I carry in the flow with me everywhere. It's literally yeah. the purse right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no I love that no I love it for us and then other than that um I'm trying to think of some other books that I really love um, you posted one about endo know your endo I think. know your endo yeah that's a good one that one has lots of good recipes in it as well but I do like to say often when I talk to people that the most change that I had was not necessarily understanding the conditions it was my relationship with my body and like myself so, you know, like all about love, bell hooks, that really helped my relationship with my body and my like love and life and people, you know, different kinds of healing, healing books. Because once you really tap into yourself and mm -hmm. what you need, I think everyone's journey is so unique and so individual. And um, yeah, so I think it's really about kind of like, where are you having blockages in your life and investigate those? And then that is somehow going to relate back to your menstrual cycle I'm telling you <laughs> no I, I totally agree I think I'm actually pursuing a health coaching like certification right now yeah and what they talk a lot about is that not everyone's goal is like exercise and nutrition you know what I mean yeah people really need to work on the foundation they need to work on their spirituality their religion they need to work on their community on the yeah lean on and that really can make you feel whole it's not yeah just you know, if you're going to the gym five times a week, like that's not what it's about. It's about yeah. how you feel and how supported you feel. And if you're able to have that positive narrative with your body. Yeah. Yeah. I'll actually share something that I haven't shared on the internet yet. And I've, I've been kind of waiting for the right opportunity and this feels like the right opportunity. And I do want to say a trigger warning for anyone that might be listening that it does pertain to sexual assault, but um, I was sexually assaulted when I was 17 and I was a virgin at the time. And so once it was completed, the person who had assaulted me made fun of, I had bled mm -hmm. on the, I had a white bedspread and I had bled on the bedspread. And he just went on and on about how that was so disgusting, even though like the whole thing had been disgusting because he had obviously assaulted me. And there was something about that specific aspect to it where it severed my relationship to blood. And so it severed my relationship to my period. And I can't actually remember having period pain before that occasion so it was almost like my I remember my next period being so extremely painful mm. and thinking that my blood was disgusting because of what this person had done to me and had told me and so a big part of my journey to fixing my period has been healing my relationship to blood my own blood and to my own body because of that experience so a lot of my healing, my menstrual cycle has also been related to healing my sexual trauma. And so I have lots of other books that I've read about that. And so that's what I mean when I say it's a really individual journey because I can trace my pain back to that moment and back to that very specific comment. Wow. And so I think doing that investigation within yourself of like, so where did this come from? And also I think 75% of people with endometriosis have some kind of physical or sexual trauma in their history and so for me that was mine and learning to 
make peace with that situation and and know that nothing about that defines me or defines my blood or my body or, or makes me disgusting or unworthy and changing the way that I talk to myself because that experience also I kept telling myself that my blood was disgusting because he had said that mm-hmm. and I had to stop doing that and I did that during my challenge and now the way that I talk to myself about my body is very different wow thank you <laughs> thank you for sharing course, yeah. wow yeah I mean how do you how do you talk to yourself so that was one that was one example of how you speak kindly to your blood how do you talk to yourself on a daily basis like do you look at yourself in the mirror like cuz some people don't know how to talk yeah. to themselves, right they don't know how to speak positively to themselves um and usually whenever we're in our head it's usually negative it's i have to do this i have to get this done oh my gosh i'm 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 experiencing adhd i'm all over the place like it's always very negative mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you recommend speaking positive to yourself or what are some ways that you do it mm-hmm. so for me I first off started doing it extremely intentionally where I would take time every day and just kind of look at myself in the mirror. And I tried to investigate what I was actually feeling and then say the opposite. So instead of just sitting down and saying, you know, I'm beautiful, you know, I'm worthy. Like I was like, where, what do I actually feel like? And the truth was that I felt for me, a big, one of my big things is not feeling good enough. Mm -hmm. So I say to myself all the time, you aren't good enough you are good enough, you are good enough, sometimes intentionally in front of the mirror, sometimes just in the back of my head mm-hmm. every day. Um, good enough is one for me, worthiness is one for me, but I had to take some time to think of what I was actually feeling and then I created affirmations that were the opposite. Because um, that's why I think some people can't really do it sustainably because they just say things just to say things. Yeah. But I think if you make them tailored to you, mm-hmm. Um, another one for me, obviously, because the experience was disgusting. I used to feel disgusting all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I used to tell myself, like, you're not disgusting. You are ABC or whatever it is that I was trying to think. So I think, again, getting to the root of why you feel the way you feel, where a lot of things come from, and then giving yourself an opportunity to approach those things and create new stories, tell yourself different stories. Love that. That's, a, that's such good advice because a lot of people do just say, you know, say, I am beautiful. I am smart. I am. Yeah. I am. But what is it that you're fighting within yourself? And then mm-hmm. of that, yeah. Yeah. Because you have to get to the root of it because I could have sat in the mirror and said, I'm beautiful, but I didn't necessarily not feel beautiful. I felt not good enough. Mm-hmm. I felt not worthy. I felt gross. Those are different feelings. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think a lot of on TikTok, I see, especially it's like, say these affirmations and you'll get abundance or say these affirmations and nothing wrong with that. But I just have a belief that if you actually want it to work, you got to first off, figure out what's going on beneath yeah. the surface. Tailor it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Of course. This was so great. I loved talking to you and I love your TikTok and I want everyone to follow you. <laughs> tell people where they can find you. Yeah, so my TikTok is my name. It's Dominique Lachey. Um, I don't post super regularly because I can't quite figure out what I'm doing on there, but I do find it fun. Um, yeah, I try to share as much as I can. And also, if you guys DM me and you're like, hey, you didn't post today, I'll probably post. So <laughs> <laughs> I like being gently pushed. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. Yeah, so um yeah, that, that is, um, follow me at Dominique Lachey and also just 
I get a lot of DMs, people telling me about their period. There's nothing I love more. There is nothing I love more than a massive paragraph telling me about your period. Because I'll talk to you about it. I love talking about it. I find it so exciting. I maybe might have some advice for you. Can't guarantee, but um, yeah, I just love talking about it. I also have um notion templates that I made if you're into notion so you can organize your life around cycle syncing. So I made like a period tracker and uh, exercise and nutrition things that all sync together as well as a to-do list that's based off of uh, energy levels that I made. That's um, so cool. <laughs> yeah. And I use it religiously. Wow. There was no, um, there was no period templates on notion. And so I made them. Wow. So, so you can, um, they're linked in my bio and then I have a newsletter that I send out every week attached to those notion templates yeah oh my gosh I'm gonna have to sign up for that yeah try to send it out over a week I got consistency issues <laughs> well you said your birthday December. you said you're December baby I'm a December massage yeah oh I'm a I'm a Capricorn oh I have my Capricorn. god I have you can be such Capricorn too. vibes holy <laughs> really yeah that's what everyone says but because you do so much I love your TikTok I love your Instagram you, I didn't even know you had podcasts this is season two of your podcast. You're just doing, you're doing God's work. Thanks. But I'm definitely not consistent. Like if you look at my podcast, it's like episode two months later. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to okay. get more consistent, but yeah. thank you Dominique so much for yes. coming on the podcast and I hope everyone follows you and yeah, they should reach out to you and give, give you, give you some, uh, some things to work with. Yeah. I, I can't wait to talk to you more soon and talk to all y'all. Thank you again for having me.